And now for something completely different. Here's what's coming up this hour on today's experience. It's Expository Thursday. Expository Thursday as we work together to know the letter better into the narrative of the book of Acts. We travel to understand what things the Lord requires of us to learn and to apply God's timeless truths in our lives. First, part one. They carried the tabernacle into the wilderness. Unfortunately, they didn't give the respect necessary to carry the tabernacle into the wilderness. If they did give respect to the tabernacle that they carried through the wilderness, they would have remembered this. The tabernacle represents the presence of God. And even in the wilderness, God was with them. Get it? Okay, now next, part two. They carried the tabernacle into the new land. Unfortunately, they didn't continually give the respect necessary to carry the tabernacle into the new land. If they did give respect to the tabernacle that they carried into the new land, they would have remembered this. The tabernacle represents the presence of God, and in a new land, God was with them. Get it? And finally, David asked for the privilege of building a permanent place instead of a temporary setting for the tabernacle. Here's the most extraordinary image of what God had in mind the whole time regarding his tabernacle, his presence, his temple. Kind of a hint. While Solomon was the one who actually built the temple, God is not contained in the creation of human hands. He does, however, live in chosen human temples. Incredible! David Spoon's life has been an experience. While growing up in a Jewish family, he made a wrong turn towards drug abuse. Then David Spoon found Jesus Christ, and his life completely changed. The more he studied the gospel, the more he wanted to share his experiences with others. After 35 years of ministry, David discovered a new path of service. He joined KAAM, and this radio program began. You're about to hear the David Spoon Experience. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. Here's what else we're looking at during the show. Lessons for surviving, living, and prevailing. Politics, entertainment, and current events. Personal revelations, spiritual observations. My life's insanities and oive, so much more. Hey, hey, we're asking you, what do you think? Now, you can email us during the show, live during the show, david at hemusincrease.org. Hold on, I'm double-checking my Chromebook. It is really falling apart. I, mean, I, gotta, I better do something about that. Anyway, uh, david at hemusincrease.org. That's what you can email. You can text 214-210-8483. That's 214-210-8483. Nothing weird will happen, and you will not receive a shock. You can also call 972-445-0770. Calling 972-445-0770 will put you on the show. Nothing weird will happen there. You'll call 972-445-0770, and you'll end up talking to Captain Chris. Let me tell you what that's like. And this came about just when I was thinking about it. That's like eating a bowl of Captain Crunch peanut butter cereal, and I just had that on my mind and thought, that's perfect right there, because after you talk to Captain Chris, you will be... I 
I'm sitting there writing it down, and all of a sudden, this picture of Captain Crunch on the <laughs> Captain Crunch peanut butter crunch right in my brain. I'm like, oh, I'm putting that in there right there. And then I was going to text Noel, say, bring home Captain Crunch. <laughs> That's how I roll. Uh, here's the bottom line, folks. You, you have that opportunity to uh, email. You can text in. You can call in. You can do whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with. That's fantastic. You can just listen. You can be playing tiddlywinks while you're listening to the show. You can watch television and other radio shows at this anything you want to do. It's up to you. You're in charge. You can figure it out. So here's the bottom line. The bottom line is it's not really a place to to, to kvetch, to complain, because we, we get a lot of that, and I'm not taking that away from anybody. There are places where people need to vent, and they should. But there's also places where you just want to be encouraged and places where you just want to ask some questions and places where you just want to get a little bit of lightness going on in the process. Not levity per se, but maybe more of the cheerful heart makes like medicine. And that's kind of like something you might need. A lot of people need that right now. That's what's really important. And so we want to do that for one another and bless one another. If you've got an opportunity where you've got a praise report and you want to share it, please do. We love that. We love praise reports. If you've got a a prayer request that you've got and you want to just say, hey, I need this. I need to collectively have people praying together. Let's do it. I mean, I'm going to share with you in a second why that's significant. And then additionally, maybe you just got a question about something. Like I said the other day, uh, yesterday, we got a wonderful question from Sergio. You can ask questions. I can't answer everything. But I'll do my best, and one way or another, we'll get there. <laughs> That's kind of how it, how it goes. Plus, we do that weird thing, Bible trivia. These, all, these Bible trivias are all connected to wine, as in wine. What group of Israelites was never supposed to drink wine? Which one? Don't say the sad ones, okay? All right. Which, which group? Was never supposed to drink wine. Call 972-445-0770 if you want to call in for the answer. 214-210-8483 if you want to text. And then david at hemustincrease.org for the email. So let me tell you what happened while I was uh, doing some of my prayer for everybody. So I most of you guys know I pray I pray pretty, pretty diligently, pretty regularly, and, and a pretty decent amount of time. Not the most, but enough, right? So... I'm praying, and I noticed something in my prayers today. So I split my prayers up like 50-50, praying for stuff in our lives and then praying for other people. It's kind of like it's a decent ratio. I think it's pretty honest. And I noticed today something in my prayers, and that was as I was praying, praying for me was very dull, (laughs) a nice way to put it. But when I started praying for other people, my faith just rose. It was so weird. It was kind of like, and I know I know that there's something in this whole system. I know that God has created us that way. So I'm praying for me, and it's like, man, man, man. you know, okay, yeah, you've heard this before, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm praying for other people, and my faith went from like a five to like a seven and a half or something. It was so weird. So the reason I bring it up is I want you to pray for one another, and I want you to do it not just so that you can be praying for one another and be in obedience and response to the Lord. I want you to do it for your own wellness, for your own well-being, and for your own increase in faith, because when you start believing that God will do great things for other people, you'll start believing that he'll do great things for you as well. And it's just something about it. So I encourage you in prayer for the audience 
to do that. And I think I'm just going to jump straight in and pray for the audience because I think it's just the best thing we can do, and then we'll we'll get to the other stuff. But let's just do that together right now. I want to pray for everybody and just kind of join me in your in where you're at right now. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you and praise you. We just worship you. We acknowledge you. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the greatest. The center of the universe is you, and we are blessed to be a part of what you have brought forth for us in life. What a blessing you've granted us. What favor, what kindness. Your kindness exceeds who we are. And we just, just want to thank you and praise you. And we pray for our audience right now. We pray for every person. There's some physical needs right now. People that are just really strained. They're really tired. They're weary. Some people are struggling physically. We pray for Gary. Pray for Paul. Pray for Ace. Pray for Mary. Pray for these people. For Deborah and Susie and for some of the, our special people that we love. Pray for Joanne. We pray for uh, all these people that are really going through it. We ask you to fill them with hope. Fill them with confidence. Fill them with your touch. All, all that ever has to happen, Lord, is for you to say yes or to touch. And it changes everything. So touch people. Touch them and fill them with hope, and with confidence, and with peace, and with grace. I pray for these people. I just ask you to bless them. Pour yourself out upon them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Okay, so you know, going a little different than what I planned on, so what else is there? Uh, here was the trivia question again. Uh, what group of Israelites was never, was never supposed to drink wine? That is the question. Uh, wait, is that the right one? No. Yep. What group of Israelites was never supposed to drink wine? Okay, that was the right one. I can talk. How much wine have you had? Apparently not enough to get through the show. <laughs> I'm just going to say that and let people go, oh, you shouldn't say that. Oh, stop. You guys know better than that. Uh, all right, so we're going to just delay on doing our teaching on uh, – oh, this teaching, by the way. I, I, I don't say this a lot. But this teaching that we're going to do, I will, I will just totally ruin it. But you have to catch how simple this teaching is about the tabernacle. It's the coolest thing. I'm going to show a couple of things, and I'm hoping – or share a couple of things, and I'm hoping you guys catch this one thing because you're going to find out something about tabernacle you never thought possible. And, it, and that is the most amazing thing is the tabernacle goes everywhere, goes everywhere, uh, and that's the presence of God. But that tabernacle was simply a forerunner or a picture of what God was going to do in eternity. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, I hope I don't mess it up. I'm pretty good at messing stuff up, though, so we'll see. Somebody ready to answer the trivia question? All right, send them on through. Ding, this is David. Who am I talking to? Hi, David. This is Fred. How you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I was trying to run this through my mind. I'm thinking uh, Samson was a Nazarene, so I'm thinking the Nazarene. All right, so you're going to go with the Nazarenes, and we will say, we will use, we're going to give you a yes, but I'm going to change the ending of what you said, okay? The okay. Nazarites. But that would be it, the Nazarites. So why that's different, and let me tell you why, so I don't want you to, to miss this. A Nazarene, Jesus was a Nazarene, but he wasn't a okay. Nazarite, and that's the difference. A Nazarite is a person who takes the vow and makes the commitment. Right. A Nazarene is somebody who's born in Nazareth. 
So now I just want you to see that differential because some people will say, well, Jesus couldn't really have drank wine. It's like, well, he wasn't a Nazarite. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the, you know, it's like, it's different. But you got it. You were on track. You nailed it. And with the sandstorm, that was great. You got exactly what you were supposed to do. So let me give you my question. So what, what, what should we call Samson then? What, what was he actually? What was my, what was, what's my what on Samson? What was Samson's, what was Samson's, uh, well, he, uh, he, he, he what was, was he actually? He was supposed to be a Nazarite. He was supposed to do the right things. But he was the one of the few unique characters that I think is in Scripture where God says, even when you're a mess, I can still use you. That's, I really think God was saying that. He's like, look, at, look, how, look how off this guy is. Ed's still going to use him. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. God bless you. All right. You too. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Don't you love phone calls like that? I love calls like that. All right. So now we're going to uh, take our break, come back, and then I'm hoping not to ruin this tabernacle thing, although I have a really long joke to start with, so that's not going to help. All right. You're listening to the David Swin Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Can't stand the skill. Can't stand the shame. It may be false, but it feels the same. So I punish myself, I go down to the jail of my soul. Have you ever wanted to get involved with a ministry that promotes Jesus Christ as Lord, but just don't know how? Serving in ministry is a matter of devotion, time, and talent. Are you looking for a place to try and test the waters? Do you want to get involved? Come join the Ambassadors Initiative. Be an ambassador for the David Spoon Experience. It doesn't pay great. Actually, it doesn't pay anything. But the eternal benefits are out of this world. Be a representative. Why not? It couldn't hurt. Well, we hope not anyway. You don't need to be a professionally qualified minister. You need to have a pulse. By that, we mean you need to have a heart. Just go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Click on the three lines at the top right of the website and then click on the Ambassador's Initiative link. Fill out the form and we will reach out to you. Sorry, no parking tickets will be paid for you as an ambassador through this position. What is the David Spoon Experience? Let me uh, say something really important. I want to give a big uh, crying send-off to my good friend for seven and a half years, Lefty. Lefty has uh, today, I know, I'm so sad. Lefty has actually left uh, the place of honor that's been with me for the last seven and a half years doing radio. Lefty was my one-eared headset headset that I would listen to. Yesterday, towards the end of the show, the circuitry in the very complex $19.95 multiple years ago headset Decided it could no longer endure, and we had to put it to rest today. So now I have a much more expensive but really on sale from Amazon, so got it for a smoking deal headset. But it has two ears, so one of the ears is behind my head. (laughs) And uh, I haven't given this one a name yet. (laughs) It's got like one ear, but I don't know. But then we're going to say goodbye to Lefty. Bye, Lefty. Bye. All right. There you go. What is the David Spoon Experience? Imagine yourself on a rocket ship racing at a thousand miles an hour into space. Once there, you can sense the power and the presence of the majestic and the divine. You forget about your troubles and your fears. 
and you just float in peace without a worry in the world. There are no struggles, no pain, no discomfort. It's soothing, calm, comfortable. But then the show starts and you realize that none of that stuff has anything to do with the show. What were you thinking? The David Spoon Experience, only for the brave of heart and the bored. Amazing Grace, how sweet. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas where I'm going to offer up the next trivia question. Let's see if everybody can stay on top of it without getting too legalistic about it. According to Paul's advice, which main church official must not be a wine abuser? Okay. Now, you're really looking at 1 Timothy 3, and you're looking at 1 Timothy 3 to differentiate. I think you guys will get what I'm saying. But I'll be pretty lenient on this one because it's got it's kind of a goofy, again it's kind of a goofy way to ask the question. All right, well I can only do the best I can do. Nine seven two four four five zero seven seven zero. If you want to call in two one four two one zero eight four eight three. If you uh, want to text in and then David at he must increase dot org. So what official should not be a wise wine abuser? Al's first. Second response, parking attendant. Okay, that's good. That's probably, that's, that's probably pretty good advice right there. Uh, I have a joke that is long. Okay? Long, long, long. But it has its moments. Okay? So just bear with me because I'm going to tell it no matter what. It doesn't. There's no, there's no saving anybody from it. And then it'll either get the buzz or not get the buzz. I'm not really sure where you'll come down on this one. So I'm kind of just waiting to see. All right, here we go. Uh, And then this is a joke, people. So we don't really do theology with jokes, do we? Okay. The day finally arrived, Forrest Gump died and went to heaven. Okay. He was met at the pearly gates by St. Peter. The gates were closed, however, and Forrest approached the gatekeeper. St. Peter said, well, Forrest, it's certainly good to see you. We've heard a lot about you. I must inform you that the place is filling up fast, and we've been having to administer an entrance exam for everyone. The tests are fairly short, but you need to pass them before you can get in. Forrest responded, it sure is good to be here, St. Peter. I was looking forward to this. Nobody ever told me about any entrance exams. Sure hope the tests aren't too hard. Life was a big enough test as it was. St. Peter went on. Yes, I know, Forrest. Uh, but the test only has three questions. Here's the first. What days of the week begin with the letter T? Second, how many seconds are there in a year? And third, what is God's first name? Forrest went away to think about the questions. He returned the next day and went up to St. Peter to try and answer the exam questions. St. Peter waved him up and said, all right, now you've had a chance to think about it. Tell me what your answers are. Forrest said, well, the first one, how many days of the week begin with the letter T? Shucks, that's easy. That'd be today and tomorrow. Saint, the St. Peter's eyes opened wide and said, Forrest, that's not what I was thinking, but you do have a point there. So, yeah, all right, I guess I didn't specify, so I'll give you credit on that answer. He goes, all right, how about the next one? How many seconds in a year? That one's harder, Forrest said. And I thunk and thunk about it, and I guess the only answer can be 12. Astounded, <laughs> Peter said, 12, 12? 
Forrest, how'd you come up with 12 seconds in a year? Forrest said, well, not, that's easy. January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. Hold it, interrupted. <laughs> I see where you're going with that. I guess I see your point that that wasn't quite what I had in mind, but I'll give you credit for that one too. Let's go to the final question. Can you tell me God's first name? Well, sure. I know God's first name. Everybody knows. It's Harold. <laughs> Harold. St. Peter said, what makes you think it's Harold? Well, it's in the prayer. What prayer? St. Peter said, you know, the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art thou in heaven, Harold be thy name. Ta da! <laughs> it's good because of those other answers, right? Though the last part's not that funny. But, <laughs> but those other answers, the seconds, that was. That's good. How many seconds in a year? 12. <laughs> January 2nd. <laughs> That is, I'm sorry, that's funny. All right, uh, what, I got through it. Uh, trivia question. According to Paul, uh, which church official? Uh, you're talking about a church official. First Timothy 3 is where this answer is. Uh, which church official should not be a wine abuser, if you think you know? Uh, 972-445-0770 or text in 214-210-8483 or send an email to david at he must increase.org. Uh, let's go ahead and play our um, Expository Thursday song. Wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! All I can say is wow! Okay, here we go. Acts chapter 7. This is verse 44. This is Stephen. Now, this is really important because the next couple of times we talk about Stephen, it's going to get very, very, very intense and very, very specific. So in verse 44, he says, Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed in exact concordance with the plan shown to Moses by God. Are you going to stop right there? It's just so simple, right? When the children of Israel went into the wilderness, they had the tabernacle. And most everything that you need to understand about the tabernacle is straight out this. The tabernacle is the represents and is where the presence of God is. The tabernacle is where the Lord's presence is. And one of the things that people miss right off the bat is the children of Israel were told to build a, the tabernacle to exact specifications. They built it. It was with them in the wilderness, which is the nicest way in the way to world to say that when you're in the wilderness, God's presence is still with you. The tabernacle is in the wilderness. You could be in a hard place. You can be in a dark place. You could be in a frustrating place. I mean, I, I, just as a human being, you think, it took you 40 years <laughs> to go, well, it should have been like three and a half months. <laughs> it's like, what? Right? And at that point, nobody knew what was going on. I mean, they didn't even know what was going on, right? Because that whole generation had to die out. The bottom line was regardless of the directions that God puts you and I in, in life, when you're going through the wilderness, the presence of the Lord is still with you. You might be going through the wilderness in an issue. You might be going through the wilderness in your walk with the Lord. It might be in relationship to somebody. It might be in relationship to a very specific circumstance where you just feel like you're, you know, just wandering. Might be a nice way to say that. Because that's what they did in the in the desert. They wandered. All right? They wandered and then they probably wondered. But they wandered. 
Well, while you're going through that wandering, you have to be aware. God is still with you. God, does, he's not mad at you, or he's not hateful towards you because you're in the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness, obviously, to connect to Israel. But the point is he was still led there by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you go through wilderness experiences. But in going to the wilderness, it, it's not that God is void. Oftentimes, it means that there's an adjustment coming, at least this, as much as I can tell from, from the Christian walk that we're in. There's something changing or something is up and coming, and there needs to be a little bit more preparation, something along those lines. But the key about the tabernacle is what? And this is why I'm going to hammer this home. I'm going to hammer it home because the last segment kind of pulls it all together. The tabernacle is the presence of God. And for those that tend to forget, in, the pres- in thy presence is the fullness of joy. You can have joy in the wilderness. That's right. If you're closely connected to God, if you will focus less on the place you're in and more who has placed you there, you will be doing so much better. I would be doing better. I mean, I, even what I'm going through right now, it's going, I'm writing, trying to write my last big paper in my last class, and I've already told—you can't imagine how much complaining I've already done to God. I mean, it's, it's just not even—you know, I, mean, I feel like, you know what? I could have joy through this process if I just stay close enough, if I just stay connected, if I stop concentrating on what I, on, on my surroundings and start concentrating on who created everything. And that's just a truth. And I, I don't do that all that great. <laughs> well, some days are better than others. I would say that. And so I'm encouraging you so that you can know from this text, from Stephen, he's like, look, my, our ancestors went into wilderness. But God was with them. The tabernacle was with them. And then we're going to see in this next segment how important that is. And then in the last segment, you're going to see why it's critical for a Christian. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we have uh, trivia, right? I answer trivia. Uh, according to Paul's advice, what church official must not be a wine abuser? That is going to be an elder slash or a bishop slash or a overseer slash or any of those you want to use. Actually, nobody entitled office was allowed to abuse any of it. Okay, I mean, there's no permission. Well, the deacons get to abuse it because it doesn't. It? No, that's not. <laughs> nice try, Sparky. That doesn't work that way. Nobody gets to abuse it. The elders do not, the bishops do not, the, the deacons, the deaconess, nobody gets to abuse it. You don't get to abuse it. Okay? Sorry. Okay. All right, folks, we'll take a break and come back. You're listening to the David Smoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. What is the David Spoon experience? Isaiah chapter 63, verse 8 through 9 says this. He said, surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. 
So uh, I want to make sure you understand. We've talked about this before. You've heard some of my testimony. If you want to really get a better handle on my testimony, uh, I'll shamelessly plug the Broken for His Glory book, which contains the testimony, but you can get it for free if you do it through Kindle. And then otherwise, it's like seven bucks or something. That's not very much. Uh, It's kind of a fascinating journey on becoming saved and then going through bad churches or a bad church and then coming back into good church. Right. That's not always easy to do. One of the big premises of the book and of my entire Christian journey is a passage like this, which says, he said, surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. And in all their distress, he, too, was distressed. I think it's important for you and I to understand the level to which God has put himself or placed himself. He's not incomplete without us in the in the theological term that God can exist completely independently and doesn't need us, but he bears with us or connects to us in such a way that he feels with us. And so I think it's important for you and I to grasp that when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and then uh, the Lord appears to him, right? And we've talked about this before, you know, knocks him, you know, knocks him uh, off his donkey and blinds him, okay? Now, you just have to imagine, you're on a donkey, bammo, you're on the ground, okay? <laughs> okay? Not on a comfy table or a comfy chair or a comfy bed, on the ground, and you're blind. <laughs> so this is a real wake-up call. And then Jesus says to him, Saul, before he becomes Paul, you know, you know, why are you persecuting me? And what does Paul say? Saul say, he says, who are you? <laughs> right? Because this is like, you know, this is, you know, outer limits stuff right here. And then Jesus goes, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Ah, but the irony behind that is that Jesus made the identification with the church because Saul was persecuting the church. But Jesus goes, I'm the one you're persecuting. Now see see how he connects himself to the people. And if you can't shout sight, you'll have to face a penalty. As with oh, welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM. Amen, 770, the truth station here in Texas. Now, this trivia question, folks, this is a tough one, okay? All right. Remember, we're doing wine trivia. Why? Well, because I opened up this one trivia book, and it had these uh, five wine things here. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So so I thought that's pretty good. I mean, that's not bad. Okay. Here is the uh, trivia question. According to... Uh, what Jesus said at the Last Supper. Ooh, according to what Jesus said in the Last Supper, when would he drink wine again with his disciples? According to what Jesus said at the Last Supper, when would he drink wine again with his disciples? If you think you know, okay, so that's a if you think you know, you can reach out to us. You can call. 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483. As well, you can send an email to david at he must org. I will we're gonna send you to the website. So two things I want to tell you about that. Number one, of course, we need uh, funds so it can help us out. That would be fantastic. And number two, tomorrow we are going to have 
a small uh, a small amount of the worst jokes ever part one. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I just figured for Memorial Day, yeah, might as well go out with uh, kind of a laughter. Uh, all right. So, uh, bottom line, the trivia question. Uh, then we'll send you to the website. The trivia question is: According to Jesus, uh, what did he say at the Last Supper? When would he would? When did he say he would drink wine again with his disciples? If you think you know, nine seven two four four five zero seven seven zero, or text in two one four two one zero eight four eight three. Send an email, David at he must increase dot org. Don't forget about the money. Please check out also he must increase dot org. Prayer request? He must increase dot org. Praise report? He must increase dot org. Looking to give to this ministry? He must increase dot org. Confused by what's happening right now? He must increase dot org. He must increase dot org. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> all right, fine. I just don't want to say anything about it right now, but it's just a splash. Okay. Anyway, uh, somebody ready to answer the trivia question? <clears throat> okay. Send them on through. Ding. This is David. Who am I talking yes, to? Sir. Hello? Yes, sir. Yes. Can, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Okay. Apologies. Uh, the answer to that trivia question is he will not drink of the fruit of the vine until we're, he, until we're up in heaven with him. Right, so it's when he gets, it's in the new kingdom, or it's in the glory that follow, or it's when we Come get on. up to heaven with him. That's right. There you go. Great yeah, job. God bless you, brother. All right, take care. Good job. Bye bye. All right, there you go. See, and people are like, "Well, he didn't mean it." That's what he said. But he didn't mean it. People get so weird about stuff like that. It's like that's what he said. Relax. Take it. Take take it. Take a deep breath. All right. All right. Ow. I just smacked the microphone. Give me another cup. All right. Uh, ready for our history. Let's get history in. Let's go All right, I think that was a new caller, right? Because we didn't have a chance. So, yeah, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. So, Al, that's your answer. I haven't replied yet to Eric or Deb because I'm running behind on all the texts trying to keep up with people. You guys just hang in there. <laughs> okay. Here's our history. Ready? Now watch this. First of all, today is National Blueberry Cheesecake Day. Come on, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. It's also National Cherry Dessert Day. It's like, Okay. Sure. It sounds like a lot of desserts. <laughs> a lot of desserts. This is one of my favorites, though. Today is National Paper Airplane Day. Do you like paper airplanes? Paper airplanes, yeah. Yeah. But not as much as thumbs or batteries. Oh, no. I love thumbs and batteries. Okay. I'm just making sure that we keep that separate. And 19, I'm sorry, 1889, the opening of the Eiffel Tower elevator to the public. What did they do before they had an elevator? People climb over the sides of it? I don't get they it. They walked uphill in the snow both ways. <laughs> Oh, you met my grandpa. That's amazing. <laughs> How come they all had that same story? Uh, let's see. Uh, that's not interesting. That's, okay, 1992, the Dodge Viper, first production model, rolled off the assembly line that was capable of 165 miles an hour. That's cool. The Vipers are pretty cool. Right? Not bad. I could never Where are you going to find open road enough for that? I have no, you know, that's the thing. I always find this to be one of the most amazing things. I'm glad you said it. You ever watch those car chases? How come none of those car chases are ever on the freeways that I'm on? 
I don't get it. I always watch these car chases. It's like, dude, have you been on the – have you been – I don't know if you guys know this, but they where I live, they've got an entire lane closed for doing this construction thing. It takes 10 minutes to go like two miles now in this one area. It's like, I don't want to see a car chase go there, whatever he's going to do. It is bumper to bumper for the entire – it doesn't matter who you are. I was like, you never see that. I'm just venting. Leave me alone. Okay. Back to the text. <laughs> All right, back to the text. All right, now, listen, this is really important. I know I'll mess it up, but I'm not trying to, so just bear with me. We just talked about the tabernacle being in the wilderness. Now, watch, and this is a very important point because I don't want to blow the big part of the message, okay? So i got to build on it. So here's the verse 44, Acts 8, 44. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed in the exact accordance with the plan shown to Moses by God. Years later, verse 45, when Joshua led the battles against the Gentile nations that God drove out of the land, the tabernacle was taken with them into the new territory. So here you have, in the first part of Stephen's, his whole defense, his whole premise is explaining that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the importance of that. But he's showing, he's going to show another point first. And so he's making this huge, huge pivot in his speech. And he's saying the tabernacle was with them in the wilderness. So the presence of God was with them. The tabernacle was with them in the new land. When you have new territory, new ministry, new job, new relationship, new things that are that are set before you, you have to have this confidence, or you are supposed to have this confidence, that the tabernacle is with you, that the Lord is with you. If the Lord has directed you somewhere, He's not gonna He's not gonna do it for nothing and then just leave you on your own and say, hey, I just want to see you, I want to see you flail around like a fish out of water. Go ahead, let me see what happens. That's not what's going on. When the Lord's bringing us somewhere, he's got a purpose, he's got a plan, he's fulfilling his will, his accomplishments in our life. We're trying to be in sync and in partnership with him, and we are supposed to remember, whether we're in the wilderness or whether going into new territory, the reality check is that the presence of God, the tabernacle of God, is with us. When we were all in Egypt before we became Christians— we were called out of that bondage into freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ because the, the Son has made us free. If you have been set free, if you are free, you are free indeed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even going through the wilderness, before we get to a promised land, the Lord's presence is with us. And then when we get into the new land, the Lord's presence is with us. And what you and I need to realize is why this is so important. Because this declaration that, that Stephen is bringing, this incredibly brilliant uh, sermon, remember, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, he spoke, the, the Spirit of God, was he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that because of what he saw. I mean, the Scripture even says so a little later on. He's telling them the presence of God was with them in the desert. The presence of God was with them in the new territory. And all of this if you if you read your scripture, if you read, especially the book of Hebrews, is a foreshadowing of what is to come. So the presence of God is with us in the tough times. The presence of God is with us in the good times. And all of this, I know it sounds crazy, but all of this centers around what he's about to say. So I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to leave it. Kind of as a tease, but then you'll you'll understand it. The next verse, David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple 
for God, for, for the God of Jacob. So David wanted to build a permanent place. What What's the difference between permanent and temporary? I'm not going to answer that. You have to know that, right? A permanent location. It was Solomon that actually built the temple. You know, watch what it says. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet said, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Could you ever build a temple as good as that, asked the Lord. Now, why I'm going to leave that there, oh, and here's the rest of that verse. Could you build a dwelling place for me? Didn't I make everything in heaven and on earth? In other words, you're not going to build a place better than what God built, ever. I'm going to leave it there on purpose. We're going to exit early because we're going to come back. We're going to answer what that whole portion is about, which I think most of you are starting to catch on. It's very, very cool. Just keep it there. Take our break here. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Who is David Spoon? I have no idea. People have asked me about the David Spoon Experience. They wanted to know what I thought of him. Like any person searching for answers, I have wondered about him. He was born and raised Jewish, and after intense drug use, became a Christian. He's married to his best friend, Noel, has three children, six grandchildren, plus two dogs named Levi and Bert. He has three separate ordinations from three different denominations, and is a summa cum laude for his BA degree in ministry and leadership, as well as a master's degree of theological studies, and is involved in a PhD program. He has a weird sense of humor and talks. A lot. If people are seeking wisdom and insight from the great teachers around the world, would they go to David? No, I don't think so. And those big ears really don't help him. But would they enjoy his perspective on life, culture, politics, food, sports, local and national news? I don't know. I guess people will have to listen. To find out what is the David Spoon experience. My guest on the phone today is absolutely no exception and is a, one of the top tiers. Uh, I want to say welcome to Dr. David Jeremiah from Turning Point. Dr. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, Good to be with you. It's great to have you on the show. I was doing a little bit of research and I just wanted to ask you because I want to talk about the new book and I want to talk about the study Bible you just released and Turning Point, but I was going over some of the materials you've done, and I, and I on my list I have that you've done at this point, and if I'm wrong, correct me, uh, at least 53 books with three New York Times bestsellers and one about to be a fourth New York Times bestseller, 100 Bible study guides, and you sold more than 4 million books. Is that right? Well, you know more about that than I do, but that sounds... That sounds probably about right, yeah. That is absolutely amazing. So everybody who's uh, listening to this uh, uh, broadcast right now certainly, I'm sure, wants to send out their appreciation for you taking the time and committing yourself to this process. I was uh, going through your background, and, and as I was reading it, I understand that you actually accepted the Lord as your uh, Savior when you were 14. Is that right? That's about right. Yeah, that's about how old I was, yeah. So you were, you were young when you came into the faith. Actually, I I really had a head start in many respects because I was born into the family of a pastor, and I heard the gospel many, many times and probably had some preliminary experiences before I truly understood it for myself at that age. 
<clears throat> so I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian home with, with the message of the gospel very, very familiar to me. Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. That's KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Here's your final trivia question. How many jars of water did Jesus turn into wine? How many jars of water did Jesus turn into wine? If you think you know the answer, 972-445-0770. You can also text in 214-210-8483, as well as you can send an email, david at he must increase. Dot org. In the meantime, we will do our DNA. D stands for draw closer to the Lord. Daily. Daily, which means every day, every single day, every day, 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 day. N, never be ashamed of Jesus or his words, even if the world's like freaking out. Who cares? And then A, always be ready. To serve. To serve, which means that we are conscious of what the Lord may want to do through us and using us, and that we are also aware of how other people are doing, which really just calls us to focus on other people as well as ourselves. I mean, that's what it does in the nicest way. I will give Al one plug just because this one line is truly funny. (laughs) The trivia question, how many jars of water did Jesus turn into wine? His answer was all of them. <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. We appreciate it. <laughs> Somebody calling in for the answer. Is that correct? All right, send them on through. Ding! This is David. Who am I talking to? Floyd. What's your name? Yeah, see, uh, how about six jars? That is correct, sir. It is six. That is the right answer. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Very, very good. <laughs> great, great job. All right. Got a little echo there. Great. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Well, that was good. All right. <laughs> six. The answer was six, although I do like all of them. That's a good answer. I mean, I'm going to say that. Just be honest. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show should be uh, interesting. Only because the world's worst jokes are going to be on the show. So that ought to be kind of interesting in and of itself. Please don't forget that on Monday we're doing a replay. I tell people, you guys got to know. I probably won't put that up on the on the website. I don't know if that's necessary or not. But Monday is going to be Memorial Day. It's going to be a replay. Uh, it's the opportunity for Chris. And it's opportunity. You're off, right? You don't have any. Do you off or not? I mean, I was planning on hanging out with you. But I guess now I'll just stay home. <laughs> Well, now I feel really sad. Okay, I'm not that sad. Uh, Anyway, everybody's going to be gone. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it'll be a replay. But it's fun because um, it's we're replaying uh, our first fun day Monday. So I think that's a really good one. I like that one. Um, And then our last replay when I was sick, somebody was like, that was what I needed to hear. It's like, well, okay, I'm not glad I got sick for it, but good. Okay. All right, let's uh, finish off on this. This Here's the part I don't want to ruin which uh, I might uh, do that, but I'm not trying to, okay? So here's the thing. Sometimes, and I've, I've, I've been told this, and I've 
seen this myself, and, and so I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes you can catch something that's that's better than you can explain it. In other words, some things are better caught than taught. This is kind of a nice way to say it. So I'm going to share this with you and try and make it clear, but I'm, I'm wanting deeply for you to catch the heart of God in it. So please listen, okay? I'm going to run through the verses again and then explain what the big thing is. In Acts chapter 7, verse 44, before Stephen gets ready to rebuke all the people for being uh, uh, just totally stubborn people, he says this, Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed in the exact accordance with the plan shown to Moses by God. Years later, when Joshua led the battle against the Gentile nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into the new territory. It was there until the time of King David. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for God, the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High does not live in temples made by human hands, as the prophet has said. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you ever build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me a dwelling, build a dwelling place for me? Didn't I make everything in heaven and on earth? Here is the most unbelievable, you think, well, who can, yeah, so, yeah, who cares, yeah. Humankind, mankind, people of the earth cannot build a temple that God would consider worthy of him. You couldn't, you couldn't build one. In fact, the only thing that could be considered viable is something that God built, not that people built, right? Here it is. God built people. See, this is the thing that people are like, there goes the airplane. What do you mean? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the tabernacle of where the presence of God abides. And when you get together with another one of believers, with another one of the believers, Jesus said, when two or more are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. It's a collectiveness. And so all the individual tabernacles of God get together and they become the ultimate tabernacle of God, which is what the church will ultimately be when it's in glory. And that's not to exclude Israel by people who should need to understand that that's going to be a merger between Jew and Gentile. That's how Christian came about, because it was a merger, if you just read Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. But the whole understanding is that the tabernacle that was built, the tabernacle that was created was us for the permanent dwelling of God. You see that? What? What? Dave's like, I want to build a permanent place. Okay. I'll let your kid do it. But you really don't get it, Dave, because the ultimate tabernacle is you. You're where the presence of God is. You are where the presence of the Lord loves to dwell. And when you get it before, when you understand, whether you're in the wilderness, right? Now watch this. Or whether you're in new land, or no matter what you're going through, the tabernacle is there because the Lord is in you. And he's with you wherever you go. And you is it 
That's good English. You is it. You're the tabernacle. God made everything in heaven and on earth and made mankind to fellowship with. And when man blew that fellowship, Jesus, when he came, restored that fellowship by being the redeeming work for us and by acknowledging, accepting, surrendering, receiving, yielding, submitting, and repenting. We become the very temple that God originally created us for to fellowship in. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, and you're going to think, and wait, here, this is this will blow your mind. This was all part of the plan. It's part of the plan. This was set up along the irony behind it. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Could you ever build a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build a dwelling place for me? Didn't I make everything in heaven and earth? It's kind of like God going, yeah, you couldn't make it. <laughs> you could you could put together all the gold and the silver and all of a sudden, eh, it doesn't matter. Ah, but my creation, which I made in my image, aha! <laughs> Although I don't know if he uses that accent. Aha! You know? We're it! And this is why, now watch, I could do this for an hour. This is why Jesus said to Saul before he became Paul, hey, you're persecuting me. And Saul's like, going, what do you mean? Persecuting the, the, the people who are following Jesus. And Jesus is like, yep, that's persecuting me. I live in them. So when you persecute them, you persecute me. You're like, oh, now that becomes a different story altogether, doesn't it? So that is what just, I know I'm never going to do it justice, but just think about this. You're that tavern. Everybody's like, and, and I understand from an eschatological point of view, people are like, they can build the temple. And that's, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. The eternal temple, which will be heaven, will be us in it. It's like all of us, we're it, we're in it. We're, we're, we're the tabernacle. And we're the tabernacle that God built. You see, one person could never have had another person without God creating people. It's just like, oh, my gosh. Which, by the way, I just wish somebody would say to people who are into evolution, you know, it, it wasn't just two species, but then those two species had to be so aligned as to make a third species or a third entity. It's just like, okay, now you're talking to the gazillion, gazillion, gazillion. It takes more faith to believe that than anything. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is you're the temple. You're where God wants to dwell. He wants to hang out with you. And he doesn't just—he doesn't just—and people do this a lot, and I wish we'd stop doing it because we do a poor job. He doesn't just love us. He likes us. I wouldn't spend eternity with somebody I didn't like. How stupid is that? He doesn't have to hang out with us. There's, well, he's got to. No, he doesn't. He wants to. That's because you're important to him. And even when you're feeling low, and I, everybody goes through that, it's, it helps us to remember. It's one of the things we put in the very beginning of the, of the ambassador video. It helps us to remember that we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, the highest price that could ever be paid for anything ever, anywhere. That's your value. Not all this stupid, got to pay the bills, got to do this, got to have a party for this, got to have this, got to blah, 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 blah. In a hundred years, not one of those things will matter. 
that you will still be a tabernacle of God. <laughs> well, okay, I guess we just kind of summed up life. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And the reason that's important is for all of us to fellowship with the Lord. Let's close this with prayer, okay? We did everything, covered everything, DNA, history, okay. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you and praise you. We are so unworthy. We are unworthy of the graces and the gifts that you've granted us. You made us the tabernacle, each one of us, so that we could be connected to you. And you did it because you love us. We thank you for that. And we, we, can, we can never repay you, but we can certainly enjoy you. And we just rejoice in your goodness and in your graciousness that you've granted us. And Lord, where I failed, please let the Holy Spirit do all that's necessary so that people can get it. Hanging with you, that's, that's what we're living for. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Okay, folks, you've been listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas, taking a 22-and-a-half-hour break. Then we'll come back. More insanity with Spoonanity. Talk to you then. The views expressed on the preceding program were those of the speakers and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors.